0: Welcome to the Salt Church Podcast. We're a church that meets in the heart of Wollongong. Come and visit us on Sundays, 10am and 5pm at 275 Kira Street. We'd love to meet you. Hi everyone, Andy is my name. Welcome to, it's great to be here together, particularly if you're visiting. A big welcome to you. I'm one of the pastors here at Salt i got a question, though. We talked about it a bit before. Are you a good listener? Are you a good listener? Uh, it's one of those things I thought I was a good listener. I can, as Jess said, it's one of those skills you can learn. I can do the active listening where you, someone's talking to you, you repeat back what they've said in your own words, so you understand the emotion or understand the, like, I can do that. Uh, and so, you know, I thought I was a good listener until I went to, Keres and I went to a marriage day preparation thing before we got married. We went away for the day. And uh, us and a bunch of other couples who are about to get married and um, learn a bunch of things, really helpful things over the course of the day, uh, things that will be really helpful for married life. And at the end of the day, spent this whole day together, at the end of the day, they said, okay, we're going to finish off with an activity. I want you to sit knee to knee with your partner, look in each other's eyes, and I want you to tell them all the things that you've learned about them. And I thought, okay. You can do that. And they said, Alright, husbands, men go first. And I thought, Okay, all the things I've learnt about Keras, there's not like I know Keris pretty well. There's not that many things. I can't really think of many. And I'm looking around at all the other men are just chattering, saying heaps of stuff, and I'm like, Okay, uh what have I learned? Uh you're good with money? I guess I can't I don't know. Um what else? can't think of, I'm, I'm not sure. And Keris is kind of tearing up and, and, te- and yeah, looking distraught. And um, I'm like, oh, I've got to think of something. And they say, okay, that's enough time. Um, women, your turn. And she just started rattling off all these things. Not even things from today. All the things about me. All these personal things and all these things. And I quickly realized I misheard the thing. I thought they said all the things that you've learned about the person. What they said was tell them all the things you love about them. And so I was there going, I can't think of anything. (laughs) Um, You're good with money? I'm like, that's not even true. The, um, uh, what am I? I, I? I had nothing. And no wonder she was crying. And she was rattling all, all these things that she loved about me. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't, I, I misheard. And by then it was too late. And so we left the marriage day. She was crying. And everyone else thought, this is not going to last. <laughs> and I, I was like, oh, man, I've learned. It's important to listen. Right? You can have disastrous consequences if you don't listen well to do with activity, but even more so when it comes to God's Word. That's what we're going to see this morning. It matters that we listen to God's Word. So I'm going to pray for us that we would listen. So pray with me. Our Lord God, we thank you that you speak to us by your Word. And we pray that as we hear your Word now, you'd help us to listen well. Amen. Well, Jesus also knows the importance of listening well and uh, he tells a bunch of parables the first parable that he tells is about listening he tells a parable about listening have a look at uh, Matthew chapter 13 we're going to be mostly working in Matthew 13 so keep that open we're jumping around a little bit as well but Matthew 13 to start with looking at verse 1 to start with so 13 the chapter is the big number versus the little number that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. So there's so many people, he can't, there's no room, he's got to go into a boat to avoid getting trampled by the crowds and he's teaching. Then he told them many things in parables, saying a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed on good soil where it produced a crop, 160 or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. So Jesus here is talking to a crowd, there's a large crowd, and uh, he's told them these these few verses. And then later, just to his followers, apostles and some others, he gives the explanation, which we read earlier, but I'll read it again. Have a look at verse 18. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word, understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. So most people hear Jesus' parable and they're not going to understand it. They only hear the first bit. They don't hear the second bit. And then we hear the explanation, there's different soils... Just like different responses. You've got different responses to hearing God's word, just like different seeds on different soils. But here's the question why does Jesus use parables? Why does he use parables? Here goes a little quiz. Why does Jesus use parables? Three options. A, that's how people taught back then. B, It makes complex ideas simple. These guys, some of them are farmers, they understand soil and seeds, and so that's why he does it. Or C, it makes things harder to understand. What is it? Why does Jesus use parables? Well, he tells us, and the answer is C. It makes things harder to understand, not easier. That's why he uses parables. Have a look at verse 13. This is why I speak to them in parables, the crowd. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. So it doesn't really make sense, does it? Why would Jesus deliberately make things harder to understand? That's why he uses parables. He uses parables to make what he's saying more complex, harder to understand. Why would he do that? That doesn't make any sense. If you're a teacher. You work very hard at making your lessons clear and easy to understand. You don't spend most of the time preparation making it hard to understand. That's silly. So what's going on? So it doesn't make a lot of sense what Jesus is doing until you understand some of the history between God and his people. So God's people don't have a good record of listening to God. Uh, Israel, they were looking forward to the arrival of God's kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, they referred to it as. The time when God would restore everything, make everything good again, bring things how they were. But Israel weren't following God as they should. They turned to other gods. They had rebelled against him. They betrayed him. They were worshipping other gods instead of the God that had saved them and rescued them. And so God sends prophet, prophet after prophet, to warn them and to bring them back, to call them back, to follow him. And it works for a little while and they come back to him. But oftentimes they'd kill the prophet and, you know, ignore him, ignore the warnings. And so in that situation, God sends the prophet Isaiah, which is where Jesus gets that quote from. He quotes Isaiah. Isaiah is a prophet in the 8th century BC, so 800 years before Jesus is talking. And he brings a message of judgment. Have a look. If you've got a Bible, it'd be helpful to have a look at Isaiah Um, It's in the Old Testament. If you need to go use your contents page to find it, that'd be good. We're going to go to Isaiah chapter 1, the very start of the book. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 1. The vision concerning Judah and Jerusalem that... Isaiah, son of Amoz, saw during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Hear me, you heavens, listen, earth, for the Lord has spoken. I reared children and brought them up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its master, the donkey its owner's manger, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Woe to the sinful nation." a people whose guilt is great, a brood of evildoers, children giving to corruption. They have forsaken the Lord. They've spurned the Holy One of Israel and turned their backs on Him. So it's incredibly sad what's happening. God's people are not following Him as they should. Israel have forgotten God again and again. They've turned their backs on Him. And then, so then we get a promise in Isaiah chapter 6. A little bit later, a couple of pages of it. Isaiah chapter 6 Verse 8, here's the warning, or the judgment. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Whom will go for us? And I, it's Isaiah, said, Here I am, send me. God said, Go, and tell this people, Be ever hearing, but never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused. Make their ears dull, and close their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. So that's the punishment there. Israel's being punished. God's given them the thing that they want. They were rejecting him, they were turning their backs on him, following other gods. It's, god's given them the thing that they want, they're want. they wanting. They're not going to hear God's offer of repentance. They're not going to hear the offer of um, Uh, coming back to him, that Isaiah is going to bring. Instead, they're going to be judged for their rebellion. They're going to be stopped from hearing it well. And so that's why Jesus uses parables. And that's why he quotes this part of Isaiah. He's fulfilling this promise by speaking in a way that's hard to understand. He's preventing Israel from understanding. Jesus is preventing Israel. God's people from hearing what he's saying. So that, so that the people would then murder Jesus and kill him. Not accept his message, but kill him. Because that was the plan all along for Jesus to come and to die. And for that to happen, the people couldn't accept the message. Imagine if. Jesus had come and preached repentance and taught about the kingdom of God. And all the people in Israel were like, yes, of course, we're going to follow Jesus. And everyone follows Jesus and turns and Jesus lives to be an old man and no one kills him. And he doesn't save, he wouldn't save the world. I don't know. How would that even work? That does, that's not God's plan. God's plan wasn't that at all. God's plan was for Jesus to come and to die, for God's people to kill him, which wasn't a hard plan to pull off. God's People had done that all the time. They'd been killing prophets all the time. And so they did that with Jesus. And that meant that Jesus' death then brought about salvation for his people. It meant that they could finally have proper repentance, proper salvation. But Jesus needed to be killed. And so it meant God's people not hearing the message. But we also have a promise that some would turn to God and be saved. Not, all, not everyone's going to be judged that way. Some are going to hear the message and be saved. Uh, Psalm, Psalm 78. Flip over to that, or you can just listen if you want. We read it earlier. Uh, Psalm 78 has a promise here. Verse 1 says, My people, hear my teaching, listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things, things from old. So that God's people are going to hear a parable. Things that we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. Let's skip down to verse 6. So the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children... Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. They would not be like their ancestors, a stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God, whose spirits were not faithful to him. So there's the promise. While the majority of God's people are going to reject God, reject God's word, some people are going to hear a parable, hear the wisdom from God, God's word, and not reject it. But they're going to accept it. They're gonna. Their uh, whose hearts were. Hearts will be loyal to God. Spirits faithful to Him. They won't be like their ancestors. They'll be true followers. They're gonna put their trust in God. So you get this. These this word with two responses, two groups. Some reject the word, and others hear the same word and accept it, and are changed and transformed. So that's why Jesus teaches in parables. He wants to divide his audience, into those two groups. And you get that, if you flip back to Matthew chapter 13, you get him explaining those two groups in verse 10. And the disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak in parables to the people in parables? He replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. So some people get it, other people don't. And Jesus is deliberately dividing his audiences. Two people hearing the same thing, but with two very different responses. For some, judgment, and for others, salvation. It's a bit like a sieve. I brought a sieve from home. If you've used one of these before, handy for for cooking and stuff. Uh, You put your thing in, whatever. (laughs) Goes in there, flour. (laughs) Thanks. Um, Flour, and then you sift it, and it separates into two groups, the good flour and the... Lumps, yeah. Uh, it separates, right? The, the same thing does; it divides into two groups, right? Civ or whatever. There you go, now you know how to use those things. Um, same, you have the same thing, I was thinking, with fair-weather friends. I don't know if you've heard that phrase before, a fair-weather friend. Uh, someone who's your friend when the weather's fair. Um, and you might have a group of friends, and something happens. Something goes wrong, or there's something in your life, and you need your friends to help you out. And suddenly, that event kind of splits your friend's in half. Some are really helpful and help you out and check on you and others like, whoop, just kind of, you don't hear from them. And this one event splits people into two categories. I don't know if you've ever had that before. Two different types of people. Jesus is saying there are two types of people. Those that accept and those that reject the word. How do you know which one you are? How would we know? Well, it matters how you respond. It matters how you respond to God's word. So most people will reject God's word and miss out on the kingdom of God. Jesus explains this. Uh, In fact, there's a few different ways that looks like. The one group's going to reject it straight away. Uh, We get that as he explains in verse 19. Have a look. The first soil, rejecting it straight away. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not accept it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. So immediately, they hear, well, immediately the word comes to them and it kind of just bounces off. They don't even hear it. And there's probably some people in the crowd, there was a bunch of people in the crowd that I imagine that was the case. People not really listening to what Jesus said. There's a big crowd of people down by the lake. It's a nice day. Jesus is in a boat on the water. Some Jesus is talking. Some people are listening. Other people are just... Look at that bird. It's not even flapping its wings. It's just kind of flying around. How does it do that? It's just going around in circles, higher and higher. Hey, check out that. What is it? How does that bird doing that? It's a, I wonder if one day we'll work out a way to be able to use that technology to fly people into conti- like different continents and in metal. I don't know. But, and they're not even listening to Jesus. They're just totally distracted. Have a nice day at the lake with their friends. Maybe that's some people. They don't really get it. Or someone's listening and going, yeah, I don't know, this doesn't really make sense. But apparently Jesus, afterwards, if you, you, know, you hang around, who explains it to you. And I'm keen to find out a bit more about what this means. Oh, well, I promised my mum I'd sweep the dirt floor. <laughs> oh, I can't, maybe another time. Some people just bounces off. Doesn't actually take root in their life. Doesn't make any change or make any difference. And maybe that's you. Maybe that's you right now. You're distracted. You haven't. You stop listening when I stop talking about the marriage day, or well, you're distracted by that large spinning fan that we got installed. Um, now everyone's looking at it. But I mean, that's you. <laughs> and just like with Israel, that's God's judgment. That's God bringing judgment as His word goes out. Some people bounces straight off. Don't even hear anything. But some people do receive the word for a moment. It doesn't last though. Have a look, verse 20. This is the second group. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. So they hear the word, but it doesn't take root in their life. Excited about it though, excited about what Jesus is saying, joyful about it, on board for a moment and then the excitement kind of fades and life gets hard, something happens, they get made fun of or persecution or something and they stop. Uh, you might have seen people like that. I've seen people like that, people even at Salt, sitting here hearing hearing the word and Amazed and excited and transformed by it for a couple of weeks or a couple of months and then kind of drift away. It's really sad. Trouble comes along, persecution comes along, go back to their old life. As Jesus says, it's going to happen. It's devastating, but it will happen. That's the second group. The third group, similar, they accept the word. Have a look. Lasts a little bit longer. Verse 22. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. So they accept the word, but it doesn't last. It doesn't last. The worries of this life come along, uh, the deceitfulness of wealth, they choke the word. They The person stops following Jesus. Which I think tells us something. I think worry and money, we can see here, they're the two biggest killers for Christ's followers, really. I don't know if you've seen that. Um, I think we need to be careful. We don't get caught up worrying too much about this life. Don't get caught up worrying too much about... There's a lot going on. There's a lot, to be honest, there's a lot to worry about. You know, we are talking about it before. So there's floods, there's war, COVID going around, mandates with that, the economy, who knows what's going on with that, plus any personal stuff that's going on, sickness or other things in your life that's making... There's a lot to worry about. But I think the problem is sometimes we can worry and turn inwards and focus on ourselves rather than bringing those things to God and helping it helping it grow our dependence on him. It kind of draws us away from him. We feel like we need to solve it somehow. And, but as Jesus says, which of us can add an extra day to our life just by worrying? And in fact, it, that worry can become a distraction. It can separate us from him, draw us away from him. So be careful about worrying. And money. Money. We're often drawn to chasing money. It's deceptive. Wealth is deceptive. We think that just a bigger salary will make... A couple of thousand bucks a year even would make my life so much easier and so much better. Or if I just had that promotion. Or once I get that job. Or once, once I get that thing, my life will be better. But we live in one of the richest parts of the world in the richest time in all of history. We've got more than pretty much anyone has in the history of humanity... And yet studies show we're more depressed and sadder and more isolated and worse off than ever before. And so if anything, it's, wealth just makes, you, makes it worse. And yet it's deceptive. We get tricked into thinking a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. Don't be deceived. Stay focused on following Jesus, right? That's the third soil. The last soil the, third, the fourth one are those that hear God's word, accept it, and it sticks. a look, verse 23? The seed fall, falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. So hearing God's word and understanding it. Very few people are going to hear Jesus' words and understand it back then. And same today, I think very few people got four different responses. Only one of them accepts Jesus' word fully. So here's the question. There's four responses. Which one are we? Which one are you? What's your response to hearing God's word? And most of us here are Christian. Most of us would say we're the fourth soil. We follow Jesus. But what's the difference, though? I was thinking about this. What's the difference between the third soil and the fourth soil? What is the actual difference? How would you know which one you are out of those two if you follow Jesus? They both look similar. They both have the seed taking root and growing in their life. But at some point, years or decades later, the third soil gives up and stops following Jesus. Other things. Might be years. And it could happen suddenly, something happens, boom. Or it could happen gradually over a while. But it happens for the third soil. And so I think we need to be careful. I need to be careful. I was reflecting on this for myself, but I think for us as well. Not just presume you're gonna be a Christian in twenty years, thirty years. Don't just presume and just let it kind of just coast away in the background it kind of means we can become lazy and don't actually put any effort in and just assume i got some i got a, i know some people in their mid 30s who've realized they don't have any friends i know for some, some younger people that's unimaginable but you get to your, there's comes a point in your life when you kind of assume that the friends you have are going to be there in ten. I'm going to focus on my career for ten, fifteen years, or have a family, and you, you stop investing in relationships. And then suddenly you wake up one day and you've got no friends. So I shouldn't laugh. Um, and it's devastating and it's sad. But I think for some of the people I know, they just assume that their friends would. They moved away, all these other things, and they stopped putting effort in, and suddenly they wasn't there anymore. I think sometimes we can. Sadly, that same thing can happen with following Jesus. You Just assume it'll keep happening. You don't put any effort in. You don't... And then you wake up one day and you're the third soil. So keep working on your relationship with Jesus. Remind yourself of his promises. Keep reading his word. It's it's God's word that changes us initially. It's God's word that continues to change us and shape us to be more like Jesus. That's how God does it in his word. So remind yourself of the, his promises in the Bible. Grow to love him more. Grow to know him more. Keep going to small group during the week and go to small group, not just because he said you would, but to actually dig in and to wrestle and come to church ready to learn and engage and to think hard. Don't just presume with no effort. Because what's the difference between the third and the fourth soil? Both are following Jesus, but only one of them dies following Jesus. So I'd love all of us to die following Jesus. Not now, obviously. At some point, you know, keep following Jesus for the long haul. That's, not, that's what we want. We're praying for a flood of lifelong disciples of Jesus, not just a flood of temporary disciples, you know. We want lifelong disciples. We want to follow Jesus for our whole life. So don't give up. Don't give up following Jesus. If you are a follower of Jesus, don't give up, because you don't want to miss out. You don't want to miss out. Well, that's what we You don't want to miss out on God's kingdom. Have a look at verse thirty-one. There's another parable he tells. Uh, he told them. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all the seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. So the kingdom may look small and unimpressive now, but it won't always be that way. I don't know if you've ever seen a mustard seed, Uh, if you've got a jar of whole grain mustard. uh, I've got one here not a jar but just a mustard seed um that's a mustard seed it's pretty small i I lost it almost lost it in my pocket um you can hardly see can you see it no oh i dropped it anyway it's gone um it's it's unimpressive you wouldn't even know it's there i just lost it um that can be like god's kingdom it looks unimpressive and it looks small but actually a mustard seed grows into this massive tree and birds come and live in it and it's amazing it's incredible and that's the same with God's kingdom. It looks small and it looks unimpressive. It doesn't look like it's worth following for the long haul for Jesus because it's just this small thing and what are we even doing here? But it's not. God's kingdom grows. There will be a point when we'll see. When Jesus returns, he'll restore God's kingdom and we'll see how magnificent it is. It's breathtaking unbelievable. It blows your mind. We're not there yet. It still looks small, but there will be a day When it's coming so don't miss out don't miss out don't give up and if you're not following jesus love you to start following jesus the kingdom of heaven is on offer for you as well if you're hearing this for the first time you're kind of making sense love to chat to you love to chat to you love for you to come and follow jesus with us as we do this together the kingdom of heaven looks small but it's incredible and it's amazing We don't want to miss out. Don't give up. Because, lastly, it's worth losing everything for God's kingdom. It's worth losing everything for it. Have a look at verse 44. This is my favorite parable that Jesus tells. One of my favorite verses in the the whole Bible. Verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found the treasure, he hid it again, and then in all his joy went and sold all that he had and bought that field. That's the end of the parable. <laughs> One verse. But I love it. I love how sneaky the guy is when he finds the treasure. I, I thought of a-, a modern equivalent, I don't know if this has happened, but it feels like in our street, heaps of places going for sale. And uh, when, I don't know if you're like me, when a place down the road goes for sale, you're like, oh, open day, I might just, you know, pop in and have a sticky Um So imagine a place down the road going for sale and uh, you-, you pop in and uh, you're not going to buy. You're just going to have a look around. And you have a look. And under the stairs, <clears throat> there's a cupboard. You look, have a look inside a little bit, little bit. Smells a little bit. Maybe some rain damage or something. And you notice there's a loose board in the cupboard. And you open it up and it's just like light pours out from a big box of jewels under the stairs. And you look and there's gold bars and there's USB, USB sticks full of Bitcoin in there. And every, like, unimaginable treasure in this thing. And so you look around, no one's there, put the floorboard back, close the cupboard. Um, so how much are they, how much are they, what, what kind of price are they hoping to get for this place? And there's like, oh, a million dollars. You're like, whoa, okay, a million dollars. A couple of years ago, it's half a million. All right, um, well, all right, uh, I'll get back to you. And so you go home, you, you sell everything you have. You all your socks, you, you open all your drawers, you sell them all a marketplace, you sell your car, you sell everything, relationships, you, you go to your parents and you borrow as much money as you can, you get a million dollars. You don't even have shoes on, you go barefoot to the real estate agent and drop I I don't know if you do this, cash. A million dollars cash for this house. And they go, Okay, here you go. Six weeks later, here's the keys and you're like, Woohoo and you go and then you a billionaire. You open the it's all still there. You've got nothing. You've lost everything, but you have now a billionaire. Like, who wouldn't do that? Who kind of, um, every time you go in an open house, imagine, now is going to look under the stairs for the Bitcoin. Um, imagine if it happened. But <laughs> how much better than being a billionaire is gaining God's kingdom? That's what we're told here. It's better than a treasure hidden in a field. It's better than treasure hidden under the stairs. You're going to lose everything for it. You give up everything. But what you gain is so much more than what you've lost. This is God's kingdom that you get. There's a cost to it, though. There is a cost to God's kingdom. Jesus is going to turn your life upside down. He's going to come in, renovate your life. It's not going to look pretty. It's going to be hard work and messy and painful, You can't follow Jesus and keep your life kind of roped off from him. Do not enter. When you follow Jesus, the cost is your whole life, in fact. You give Jesus your life. You lose everything to follow him. You give him your life, and so it's not yours anymore. And Jesus says this. uh, He says this a lot, actually. Matthew chapter 16, he says this. He says, whoever wants to be my disciples must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. It means losing your life to follow Jesus. There's a cost. And I think if you don't expect to lose anything when you follow Jesus, then you get drawn away when life is hard. When life gets hard... You stop following, and that's the second soil. Or if you don't think there's going to be a cost, we try and hold on to worldly things, and that's the third soil. Try and hold on to the things that we have. So we need to be willing to let those things go and continue to let them go. There's a cost to following Jesus, but it's not a burden. It's not a burden. There's a deep joy in what we receive. I love it says, enjoy the man goes and sells everything he has. He's excited about it. It's worth it. There's great joy in following Jesus. There's joy in having a relationship with the creator of the universe, calling him our heavenly dad. The creator and sustainer of all things loves us and dies so that we can have a relationship with him. And he's making all things new and we're part of that. And that's an incredible thing. We get to be part of it. And so in joy, we give up all those other things to follow him. It's worth losing everything to be part of God's kingdom. So don't give up. Don't give up. Keep following Jesus. Whether it's hard or not, don't give up. Keep following Jesus. Jesus' teaching isn't always clear. He uses parables to divide people. Some divided for salvation, others for judgment. So you've now heard Jesus' word. We've read it together. Are you listening? Are you listening? Will you accept Jesus' message with joy? Will you hold on to it? Will you let it grow fruit in your life as we look forward to the kingdom of heaven? For those who listen and discover God's kingdom, it's worth more than anything. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Let me pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word. Thank you that you're a God who speaks to us, that we can know you, that we can know that you love us and that it's by your word we're saved. We pray. I pray for my friends here as we hear your word that we would accept it and let it change us, shape us to be more like your son. In his name, amen.